There's no such thing as 40 hours. No working nine to five. Welcome back to another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. This is a podcast for fans of the guests who appear in this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated, which provides management, publicity, and related services. I am very excited to tell you during today's episode about a resource that I have just launched, so get ready to hear all about that. If you are on the list for the weekly e-newsletter, you saw this in what got sent out July 14th, and if you're not on the list for the weekly e-newsletter, head to the show website, nhte.net, and pop in your email address so that you start receiving that. Joining me today on location here in Nashville at the Summer NAMM Show, my guest is a singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist whose latest single was released in late May. A song that she released last year won two awards and has more than 650,000 streams on Spotify. She has opened for Montgomery Gentry and a number of other notable names. She is a member of the Country Music Association and BMI, among other music organizations. She has a handful of endorsements, and she does extensive volunteer work. She has performed here in Tennessee, as well as in Kentucky, Indiana, and Missouri. I've been hearing a song of hers called Uncommon Man. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Dallas Remington. Hi, thank you so much for having me. You bet. Thanks for coming out here this yeah, afternoon. I'm excited. It's good to see people out and about again. Isn't it? <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> Before we dive into all that you've got going on, tell the audience all about the song of yours that was just playing called Uncommon Man. Yeah, so Uncommon Man is one of the most special songs I've ever been a part of. And we actually wrote it um, three or four years ago. A lot of people thought we wrote it um, specifically aimed towards the pandemic. And since we we did dedicate it to all the essential employees, but I wrote it with my good friend Courtney Bumbacher. Um, I'll have to do the math. It was either in 2017 or 18. I really need to know that. But um, <laughs> we wrote it um, for our dads because mm. um, our dads are both farmers. I'm from a I'm a fifth generation farm kid from Kentucky, and she is I can't even remember how many generations she is um, from a dairy farm in upstate New York. And we always really bonded over that. And when we got to write together, finally she brought in this idea. She's like, I just want to write a song for my dad, and I want to be called Uncommon Man. Mm. And I'm like, man, I love that. And she's like, I thought you might, because I know you're a daddy's girl, too. And I'm like, yes, I definitely am. And so we wrote this just thanking them um, for the lives they've given us and just for the way they raised us. You know, we are both raised on faith, farm, and family, and that's all we've ever known. And that's what we wanted to do in this song. And we wrote it with just the intentions of them hearing it and that being it. And then when it came to May 2020 and the world had just shut down and I was supposed to release a single to radio then that um, I didn't think would go over very well mm. um, just because it wasn't what the world needed to hear at the moment. And so my team and I were going through all my songs and I was like, well, I do have the song we wrote a while ago called Uncommon Man okay. and sent them just a rough work tape of it. And they were like, that's the song. So wow. we recorded it and God had a hand in it. I literally told him, take the song where it needs to go. And he got it to... Nearly 700,000 people now have listened to the song, so we're very thankful for that. So as a songwriter, when you talk about that you and she both had in common this approach of this attitude of faith, farm, and family, I imagine that it makes the song so much easier to write as opposed to someone that comes to you with that kind of background and you say, well, 
you know, I don't have that background, but yeah, I love my dad, and sure, I guess I can write something about exactly, him. Exactly, exactly. She had actually pitched the idea to like six or seven other writers uh, and they all said what you just said like well i don't come from the background but i'm on it and she goes now it needs to be another farm kid wow she's like wow. I, I just had that feeling about the song and I'm, I'm glad she had the feeling and she brought it to me yeah and i was gonna say that's credit to her mm-hmm. to be so committed to the song and exactly. to say the song is not going to get what it needs if it's someone who's saying i'll take a shot at that exactly it's like um Garth and that song him and Clint, Kent Blazy wrote their first one that ended up being his first number one. He'd pitched it to like 30 different people and they're like, no, or the second <laughs> number one. It's, you know, you got to have that feeling. <laughs> well, I'm really happy to be here in Nashville at the Summer Nam show for obvious reasons, but also because it's a semblance of normalcy following all that time when we were all stuck inside during the pandemic. And as we all are out and about now, podcast listening is done in many different settings. In my case, I like to do so while I'm driving. And there's a podcast that I've been mentioning the last two weeks that I hope that you have checked out by now or will after I tell you about it again. Understand that Obscure Ball is not your typical sports podcast. There are no hot takes or arguing or anything like that. Instead, each episode looks at a different event or figure in sports history that is obscure, hence the name Obscure Ball. From the mysterious death of Big Ed De La Hante to a missing plane carrying Soviet hockey players, Stuart Barefoot explores the strange, the zany, the mysterious, and sometimes the criminal elements from the world of sports. The latest episode, Bring in the Clowns, chronicles the history of the Indianapolis Clowns, arguably the most misunderstood team in baseball history. That episode, along with all previous episodes, are available on your podcast app of choice. The podcast title, again, is Obscure Ball, all one word. Listen, learn, and be entertained. Dallas, you were talking about Uncommon Man, that song that we played at the beginning, but... Wow, tremendous success for that song. As I mentioned back in the intro, now 668,000 streams on Spotify alone. There were a number of different charts that it landed on, too, including number 43 on the Billboard Indicator charts. That doesn't just happen. No, talk, definitely does talk not. about all the work that obviously went into getting that song out there to gain so much recognition for it. Yeah, so Uncommon Man was actually my fifth radio single. Um, and so... That just shows that it took five songs to get on the Billboard chart. Five, y'all. Five. (laughs) So we have an entire team surrounding us. I have my publicity team led by Be Notice, Bev Mosier. Um, She's just, like, my hero. She does everything. Um, And then we have an entire radio promotions team that their job is literally every day calling radio stations will you play the song will you add it will you give us an interview will you do anything and i'm very thankful we've got doc gonzalez and jennifer blair jennifer's been with me since my very first single um Mm -hmm. and now we're up to six and so um i'm very thankful to have them but there's so much work that goes into it that people don't understand i mean i get messages every day like oh you're just getting ads because people are calling and requesting it right i'm like no Like, most of the time, we can't even get... Like, if someone calls and requests a song, they can't play it unless they've added it. So that's where the radio promotions team comes into it. And then, you know, our team keeps expanding. We've got our production team, our video production team. We've got our... um, All of it. There's just so many different puzzle pieces involved in this. Um, And, you know, you always hear people say the music business, and that's literally what it is. There's so much business involved um, that, you know... It takes a lot as an artist to not lose sight of the music. 
um, you have to continue and continue doing what you love and doing music and so that's why I have such an amazing team around me because there was for a while where I just got so obsessed with the business part of it that I was like I haven't written a song and mm. I don't know how long I haven't wow. actually booked any shows I haven't wow. and so it takes um, it literally takes a village um, like they always say about everything but it takes a village and I'm very thankful for mine um, and you know we, we run my career um, I say we um, right now I'm still completely independent um, besides, you know, the people that are on my team. And um, we have our own record label um, that my family and I have started. It's Road Warrior Records. And we set out to run this just like a major label would run it. We're like, what if we have an opportunity to come up? It's like, would a major label artist be doing this? Or mm. is this something that's going to give us a leg up? Or is this something that maybe we shouldn't, you know? And so we have spent a long time in this industry. I mean, I came to Nashville when I was 11 years old. And I just turned 21, so it's been 10 years. And I've lived here full-time for six now. Um, and so it's been a very, very long journey um, into learning the business part, but learning how to maintain the love for music. Because it's just like any career you get into, if you lose sight of what you love, it's going to beat you up. Yeah. And uh, I'm very thankful that I've had been connected to so many people that have helped me keep sight of what I love and help me further my career and further myself in this business. And I'm glad that you explained the steps that are involved in getting the song to radio because you're right. I think there are too many artists out there that will say, this is a great song and people will find it because it's a great song. Mm -hmm. Or they say, I'm just going to put it out there and it'll end up on the radio and it's like probably not <laughs> if, it's, if it blows up i hope th i hope so i hope that happens for you but it's it's very hard i mean we have every day people calling me why aren't they playing it on this station and they're still i mean even at this point we're um we like we said we've got we're normally top 40 with uncommon man and we've got another one that's racing up the charts right now and even at this point we have stations that they won't play me and it's just they'll only play top 40 or they'll only play major label. And you're always going to run into that. So you have to find those stations that will be your champions. I mean, we have, like, one of my favorite stations on the planet is in Warrington, Missouri. And he is literally, Mike, has been on every every record I've had since I was 17 years old. Mm. And he had followed me before we went to Music Row for the first single. And you have to find those because those are the ones that are going to make a difference. And I'm very, very thankful. You know, we started working the Music Row chart when I was 17. And here we are five years later and on our sixth single, and they're still there with me. And, you know, this time we debuted higher than we'll talk more about the single later on. But um, we're just because of the love and because of the relationships and the people who've been there from the beginning, you know, we're starting to debut like a bigger artist. Yeah debuting on the chart instead of having six weeks where we work on it and things like that. at the like same that. time, you're talking about these things that are being done now, and so what that shows me, which is very impressive, mm -hmm. is that you haven't gotten complacent and said, okay, they're playing my music, so you know anything I put out, we'll just send it to them and they'll play it. Because you're sitting here telling me in the audience right now that, no, we've got people that are working on the phones daily, people exactly. who are sending my songs out in stations that still aren't taking it, so I love that you're just as committed now with exactly. this many songs that have gotten on the charts as you were trying to get your first one on the Chart. Exactly. And I'm very, um, I've had people who've worked on my team in the past who say I'm too hands-on, but I am one of those people I'm very, I'm, 
Bev was my publicist was laughing at me the other day. She's like, "You're a micromanager. You need like let me do this." I'm like, "I get it, but I'm very, you know, this is my life. It's not just something I'm doing as a hobby. It's not just something I'm gonna try. I've, I've literally dedicated over half of my life to this now. Um, I started playing guitar when I was nine and performing when I was ten. So we're over half of my life has been put into this. And you know, you can't just in the way I see it is you have to. Nobody should want it more." for you than you want it for yourself and that's what I was taught when I was really young and I have never stopped believing that so my hands are on everything I'm literally texting the radio promoters every day what did we hear from this one what did we hear from that one and okay well can we go do an interview maybe that'll persuade them you know things like that and um it's just it's a never-ending thing and you know as soon as there's something that we finally we have it fixed and we're like okay cool something else will come up and you just have to be on your toes and run with it yeah and the other side of it is you know songwriters will always refer to their songs as their babies Mm -hmm. so if you think of it in that respect if you're going to drop your baby off at daycare aren't you going to be on the phone once or twice a day or when you drop your kid off or when you pick him or her up at the end of the day and you're going to have a lot of input and you're going to have a lot of say you're going to have a lot of questions some suggestions to make sure that your baby is having a good experience when he or she is at daycare so it's the same thing. Yeah, it's great to have people around you that will babysit your kids all day, mm-hmm. that will try to market your music to wherever. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you have to be the one to say, look, I'm the one that wrote the song. I'm the one that's out exactly. there performing it. And so I need to have a say in exactly. these yeah, different aspects. Yeah, I mean, aspects. you're always going to worry about your baby no matter where you drop it off at. It doesn't matter if it's with his grandparents. You're yeah. always going to worry about it. And the same things with the song. You should be hands-on working the song yourself not just letting someone else take care of it. That's right. That's right. There's this recurring theme that people will see when they look you up online, whether it's your website, your social media, wherever, and that is that you are always ready to play. Yes. Anywhere (laughs) at all. I I think if someone from NAMM walked up to us right now and said, hey, Dallas, do you have your guitar with you? Can you come sing over here? I think you would say, absolutely. Yes, because I do have my guitar. (laughs) Without any hesitation, which which is great, because I think a lot of artists might get bogged down in mm-hmm. the particulars and want to cross all the T's and dot all the I's and want all kinds of advanced planning time, but not you. You're you're ready to go whenever, yeah, wherever. I mean, music is literally my life, as I've said, and, you know, there's nothing I love more than sitting down and playing my guitar and singing. So if someone gives me the opportunity, I'm going to take it. That's great. That's great. And that way you're seizing every opportunity that comes your way instead of telling them, wow, thank you, I'm so flattered, let me look everything over and get back to you. They're going to say, well, if you're going to get back to us, then we're just going to find someone else. Yeah, I know, and that's why I always, and people, they don't like this, some people don't like this direction, but I always go over all the stuff before I respond. And I'll be like, hey, like, or I'll send it over to the team. I'm like, what do you think about this? Real quick, we'll let them know if we're interested or not. And uh, so... I'm one of those people that I want to give you a yes or no when you reach out to me. (laughs) And I hate saying no. (laughs) I'm one of those people. But, you know, and we have, that's another part of it. You know, we've had to develop our format for how we book things and everything. Right now, you know, with the pandemic just being over, I'm just like, we want to play. Let's just do anything. But, you know, we have our, we literally have a format for if it's this kind of gig, we have to do this. If we do this, we have to do that. Like, we have a map that we have to go by and all this, like, travel times. It's very thought out, but I'm one of those people that I'm like, we're going to get it all figured out before we even tell them if there's a possibility or not. Yeah. 
you know. You, we're gonna we're gonna hopefully trying to try to find a way to make it work so that you don't have to say no. Exactly, exactly. It might take a little bit of wrangling. Maybe some people get a little uneasy, but let's yeah. work it out so that it doesn't have to be a no. Exactly, and you know, in this is a music business podcast, but I mean, we have to work into you know. Yes, I'm following my dreams, but is it financially going to work? Sure, sure. You know, and that's what, especially when it comes into traveling with a band. Yeah. You know, right now it's just my mama and I, and we do a lot of that. Um, We do a lot of the gigs, just us two, because it's easy to travel that way. But when it comes in with the band, you know, if you're ever wanting to book somebody, know that they're taking their day off of what their normal job is, their everyday job is, they're traveling, they're everything. So that's one thing that we run into a lot is the um, people not wanting to compensate musicians as much as they have into it. And, you know, we're at that point where we have done so many gigs, so many that I go on the whole a lot. (laughs) So we're thankful that we're at the point where we're like, okay, we want to work with you here's what we what we can do and uh you know but if you're ever booking a musician make sure they have enough to cover their gas <laughs> well but to but to those that are listening in the audience right now that are aspiring performers as mm-hmm. much as i'm sitting here and complimenting you that you are always ready to play whenever wherever understand audience if you're an aspiring performer you do have to draw the line somewhere mm-hmm. and you do have to say okay this is my art and this is my livelihood exactly. and this is what i do for a living at the same time no, because this just isn't worth it for me, and you're undervaluing everything exactly. I have in this. And there's this meme that was going around for a long time, and I still see it periodically. And it's like, being a musician, the only job where you take a $5,000 guitar, put it in a $500 car with $10,000 worth of equipment to make $50. Yeah. And that's what our life is, and that's what it is for a long time. But then I'm, you have to work your way up to the point where that's not the situation and you have to realize that your music has value just like you know everyone you want people to buy the records you want people to buy the t-shirts you want people to buy the merch you you want them to support it because it does have value and the performance side of it definitely has value as well to the choir girl (laughs) something else that stands out about you is this expression that i've seen referencing quote unquote from sequins to camouflage (laughs) and again Folks will see that when they start looking at a lot of your social media posts. Do you think that has helped fans find you to be more approachable, meaning that they see just this normal girl who's just like them that, oh, by the way, just happens to sing and write songs and play multiple instruments? (laughs) So when we started out in this industry, I mean, like I said, I've been in it for 11 years now. I went at it with, I was like, I'm just going to be me. I don't want to be something that people want me to be i'm just gonna be me and the people who like that will like that so literally the sequence of camouflage that's me i mean that's what i've always worn my entire life and so i do think it does have a um a better a positive effect on it because we do have people that they're like we just feel like we know you we feel like you know we know that whoever's on this picture here is the girl that we're going to meet in person and that's the thing that you have to do as well as being being an artist you know if you're gonna um create an image of what you are that isn't who you were who you are you know, if you're going to create like a alter ego or something like that, you have to be that 24-7. Yeah. So I would just, to me, when I looked at that, I was like, I just want to be me because I don't want to have to 
keeping act up or anything like that. So this is my accent. This is my everything. Like, this is just me to the core, and I'm not going to change that. Yeah, it's like when they talk about people who lie, and be careful because now you're going to have to tell that lie mm-hmm. consistently. Exactly. And- that those Yeah, like that persona or that alter ego or whatever, that has to keep up forever until you just announce, oh, by the way, I'm not going to do that anymore. And it's like, oh, well, that's who we thought you were. So uh, to me, you're just creating friendships more than you are business relationships. I like that. And I mean, all of my, we have fans that have followed me. Like, I don't even like using the term fan because that makes me feel weird. And like, (laughs) I know some people say like friends and all that stuff, but I'm like, they're just my friends at this point. But like, we have people who followed me since I was 12, 13 years old that it's just weird literally for me to call them a fan now because we're (laughs) friends like we go to dinner when they come to town and they come to my shows and like we call and wish each other merry christmas and things like that it's just they're part of your life it's and that's how i've always wanted to approach it i don't want to approach it as i'm just this big artist and i just need you for your streams that's how I've, i've never wanted to approach it that way i just i just want to send my music to my friends and see if they like it (laughs) Yeah. And getting back to the point about image, you know, if you were this girl who only put yourself out there in the sequins, then after a show, you'd be someone that someone would have to get in front of and say, oh, no, she doesn't talk after the show. She (laughs) just goes in her dressing room and she leaves. And then if somebody would mysteriously see you somewhere in the camouflage, they'd say, oh, my gosh. And they'd be so distraught. Look at Dallas Remington. She's in camouflage. Exactly. Wow, I'm so disappointed. Exactly. No, this is just who I am. (laughs) You know, we had one time when I was really young, I had this woman tell me, she was like, if you're going to be an artist, you always have to be on, which I agree with. Mm -hmm. You have to know that someone's always going to be around you looking at you Um, in any aspect. You never know who's going to be around you. But to her the rest of her point was that means never go without makeup if you're going to the grocery store you got to have makeup on you got to have your hair done and I lived by that for eight years Mm. and then finally I was like I'm just going to Kroger (laughs) I'm not gonna put my makeup on so then when we started doing that you know I post pictures without makeup now I post pictures with my hair up in a nasty, messy bun that my mom cannot stand (laughs) but I'm like they really need to just see me because to what you said, that I want them to recognize me if they see me out in public. And this, I'm just a real person, and we're all—all all of us artists are just real people. I mean, it might be one day where I have to, you know, hide. Hope you know <laughs> where, because I don't want to be seen in the grocery store. But you know, I—I I don't know. I'm always just try to be as real as I can be, and just you know who I am so y'all can all know that. But I think it's also to your advantage in that there are going to be people that love the sequined mm-hmm. Dallas Remington and there's going to be other people that are going to say, I love the camouflage mm-hmm. Dallas Remington. So you're actually appealing to a wider audience. Exactly. By and being we, yourself, by the way. My mama is my stylist and we've learned a way to like morph them together. So wow. you normally wow. I either, I normally have some kind of camo on. I don't today, which is weird, <laughs> but um, it's always a good mixture of everything. That's cool. That's cool. So when I asked you that question, I, I said that you happen to sing and write songs and play multiple instruments. Clarify for the audience, is it just guitar and bass, or are there more? Um, I actually play, I think, seven instruments. Um, I play guitar, bass, piano, mandolin, drums, banjo, and harmonica. Wow. Um, banjo and harmonica are definitely my weakest links. Um, 
I do not have the breath support to play harmonica like Chris Jansen or anybody like that, but I can do it. I can get through it. Um, but my main two are guitar and bass, um, just because, you know, guitar was my first instrument, and that was my first love. And then I, um, I played bass in a metal band for three years, I think, mm. and I just absolutely fell in love with it. So sometimes y'all will see me out people will see me out playing and I'm playing bass. See, and I was just going to um, ask you if it's a solo Dallas Remington show, I was going to say, would it just be guitar or is it like, well, if it's local Bruce, I might bring a piano out, but. Um, yeah, it just depends. Sometimes I'll bring out the piano, um, on, a, on the length of the set because normally, you know, I'm not, uh, what's I'm not Jerry Lee. I'm not like super. Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah. I'm not like, whoa crazy on the piano um so you're not gonna see me doing like great balls of fire when i play piano it's more heartfelt slower songs and so if there's a longer set yeah i'll take a piano out because then we have space for those songs but when my sets i want everything to be as fun as possible so whenever i learn to play great balls of fire yeah we'll do that but um yeah so we'll bring that out and i know that like there was a show that my buddy sam and i played um he comes and backs me on some shows when we need when they want two people or whatever we'll do like a duo thing and uh this was several years ago but it was just two of us and between the two of us we had 16 instruments whoa um it took us eight hours to set up for a duo set and then we had to have it all out within an hour so it was the craziest day ever but 16 instruments for two kids yeah that's one where you say we want y'all to come out to this show not so much that we can have a lot of people in the audience (laughs) but we need all hands on deck to help us tear down exactly (laughs) exactly they were like yeah so you're gonna play till 10 30 and we have to be out by 11 30 and i'm like but it was a fun day but yeah i was like how did we end up with but it was really cool so since we're talking about instruments i mentioned back in the intro that you have a handful of endorsements since we're here at the summer nam show i think it's fitting that you talk about the different companies that you're working with yeah so i've been working with daisy rock guitars for a really long time um i love i have the bright sparkly that's my sequence uh the bright sparkly daisy rock i love that guitar it goes with us everywhere and uh, as, as long as we can if we're not flying <laughs> and uh and then i'm also endorsed by steve clayton picks which is awesome um they're one of my favorite pick companies so i'm very honored to work with them and then um you'll always see me i always have some kind of pretty guitar strap and that is from capturing guitar hmm. they're one of my endorsement companies they actually make guitar and camera straps yeah. and they do they mainly specialize in camera accessories um, but I've been working with them for years, and I had my—I have several straps from them. But I had my red one that was my favorite. I wore it every day, and it finally ripped. I had worn it out so much, and um, I was making it work though. I think I put like another end on it. I was like, I'm going to do it, and they messaged me, and they're like, "We're sending you a new strap. <laughs> like you need a new one now." And I love them. It's—they—they they were great. They made me a custom one this last time that. Um, I didn't send them. They're like, we're going to make you one, send it to you and see what you think. And they had really like researched me. And like, I come from a native American background and they sent me this really gorgeous, like turquoise strap with like this, um, print that just, it just feels native Mm. American and everything like that. And I just love it. So capturing couture, Steve Clayton, Daisy rock. And then I work with several clothing companies as well. And, um, just very thankful for all the people that have been here. I mean, 
I've been with Daisy Rocks since I was like 14. Whoa. Um, Whoa. So they're they're awesome. Wow. Fantastic. Girl guitars, y'all. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm joined today on location here in Nashville at the Summer NAMM show by singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist Dallas Remington. Visit her official website at dallasremington.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. When you land on her website, in addition to all the content she has posted there, you will see logos for the various social media platforms that you can connect with Dallas on. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and even TikTok. Her music is streaming on Spotify, so certainly follow her on there as well. However, do please support Dallas by purchasing downloads of her music from iTunes. Keep up with Dallas online so you can see where and when you can go see her perform live. There is a brand new website that I have launched called interviewtipscourse.com. If you are a musician, singer, songwriter, recording artist, etc., or even if you're, say, an author, small business owner, actor, comedian, some line of work where you are getting interviewed on TV shows, radio shows, podcasts, etc., or think you should be getting interviewed, getting booked for one or more interviews is only half the work. In this course that I've launched, I'm giving you close to 30 tips to maximize the opportunities so you get results from being interviewed, whether that means more sales, more bookings, whatever the outcome is that you're hoping for. And I've even included a module that has more than 15 different sources that can be used to get leads to potentially get more guest bookings. It's all online, so you go at your own pace with the videos as well as corresponding handouts and convenient downloadable PDF documents. Go to interviewtipscourse.com to get started so that you can start benefiting more from being a guest on the shows you get booked on. Dallas, I mentioned in there about people going to see you perform live. What does the rest of 2021 look like for you in terms of being out performing, whether that's here in Nashville or really anywhere for that matter? Yeah, so we're we're working on booking gigs still. You know, I'll pick up gigs and go play them the next day sometimes. But uh, we're working on booking for the rest of the year. We're really looking into next year already um, with a lot of them. But for this year... Um, playing a lot here in nashville um for the rest of july and august and then the end of august we're going out to gatlinburg to play the gatlinburg songwriters festival um and then we're doing a run that starts here in nashville and then we do murray kentucky for the ken lake hot august blues um which is a festival i've always wanted to play but never thought i would have the opportunity because i'm not a blues artist it's a blues festival and uh they have launched this is their first year a multi-genre stage and i'm their country act so i'm really excited for it so we're doing that um august 26th and then august 27th will be up in or august 27th is hot august blues and august 28th will be in st louis and then in October, we're doing a big run in Chicago and mm. going to be up there for about a week playing a bunch of shows and still booking some of those gigs. But we have our anchor date and just working around it. You know, I was joking around the other day. I said that I did not get the memo. Everyone was booking these secret tours. Like, because then when everything opened up, everybody's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I have 50 dates for the rest of the year. I'm like, yeah. nobody told me we were doing that. <laughs> but uh, just the easiest way to keep up with it, though, is through the website, DallasRamenta.com. And we're always adding gigs and always all over the place. So I'm awesome. looking forward to next year getting a whole year tour. So Awesome. Awesome. Well, this might be a really long answer because you do so much. But share with the audience about the extensive volunteer work including why you do choose to do so much of it well my i always start that answer with i am living proof that music can help heal 
um, I have, through the songwriting process, I've been able to write songs that have gotten me through so much in my life, um, through losing my best friend, through losing family members, um, just different things. And so music, to me, causes healing. And you you might not even know you need it, but a song could spark something. So... I have always done a lot of volunteer work, but then when I was able to volunteer with my music and see the effects it could have on people um, positively and help them get through things um, really changed my life. So when I was um, 10 years old, I started a ministry outreach called Melody for the Elderly, where I would sing at um, long-term and assisted health care facilities. And I um, it was one of my first couple weeks we met this woman who... She was born in eastern Kentucky and born raised up a coal miner's daughter. Mm. And every so I would always sing coal miner's daughter for her because my heart's in traditional country music. And um, I would sing that song for her and um, she would come up and tell me the whole story because that song would spark her. She had Alzheimer's. Mm. She couldn't remember anything. Wow. But when she would hear coal miner's daughter, it took her back to her life growing up in eastern Kentucky. Wow. And that was the moment I knew that music can change people's lives. Mm. And even if it was for five minutes when she remembered all of it, she was happy again. Mm -hmm. She was happy and she was remembering her daddy. And that just really changed my world. And then, you know, a few months later, I met my one of my best friends I've ever had. His name was Joe. He was in a wheelchair and he heard me playing and they were trying to do... um, they were doing his physical therapy, so they were getting him up to walk some. And he heard me playing, and they, he took off down the hallway, just run, walking as fast as he could, basically running for him. And he came up to me, and he said, sing me a love song. So wow. they sat him back down in his chair, and I sang him a love song. And he stood up on his own and started dancing. Mm. That's what a song did for him. And so I did Melody for the Elderly for seven years, and we still get to do it um, here and there. When I moved to Nashville, we had to switch. We were every week for seven years. Mm. Um, And then uh, we moved to Nashville, became like every month, and then started touring. So we do it sporadically here and there. But, you know, I've always – I grew up in a a missions-based church, and I've always just in my heart known we're here to help people. No matter what you do, there's something you can do that can help someone else. And so that's why I've always loved to volunteer. I was literally in a thing called Missionettes growing up, and it was just teaching us how to be servants Mm -hmm. um, for everyone and being there for those people who need it. And so with me, mine comes through music. So whether that's going, you know, to nursing homes and singing for them or going to the American Cancer Society and singing for their patients that are staying there while they're having treatments, um, I just want to be able to help them maybe forget where they're at for a few minutes, just listen to a song and enjoy where they're at or, you know, help them remember happier times. And so my everything that we're given is a gift. So music was given to me as a gift. It's my job to share it with everyone, too. And um, so volunteering has always had a very, very, very special place in my heart. And as I still work to this day with some bunch of charities here in Nashville, um, one that's really close to my heart is called the Pinson Hospital Hospitality House. And they are a home that puts up families while their family members are in the hospital. Mm. Um, so they help, you know, they get people from around the world that come here to Vanderbilt and there's nowhere to stay. Uh, I, I mean, see. Nashville area hotels are anywhere from a hundred to $900 a night. And when you're spur of the moment, have 
nowhere to go and somebody's been airlifted here and there's nowhere to stay, that's what HHH does. They mm. help find somewhere wow. for you to stay or they have an apartment building they have built now that wow. they let you people stay in. It's, wow. I think it's, I have to remember, it's a lot of apartments. They just got it built and opened right before the pandemic started. Oh, gosh. Um, but they never had one day where they weren't at full capacity. Mm. They were helping so many people. And I just, it's a really big place in my heart when people give up their lives to help others. And Angie and their entire team over there are amazing. And I'm very honored to be able to help out just a little bit I get to um, with their organization. And, you know, I try to help. I try to do as many things as I can um, because, like I said, we're here to serve and help people. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Wow. God bless you. Let's get into a couple of fun facts about you here. One is you actually still have your first ever guitar, and it's one that would never be represented at a NAMM show. No. Tell the audience what I'm referring to. So I'm trying to even remember. I got it for Christmas one year, and it was used to Walmart sold guitars. I don't know if y'all remember that, but Walmart sold guitars. And um, I think some of them still do, but this was in the kids' toy section. It was a Barbie guitar. I can't even remember who gave it to me. I think it was either my my dad's parents or my dad's brother. I really don't even remember. I just remember somebody gave me a guitar, and I was so excited about it. Um, and I was like, I'm going to learn to play it. I'm going to learn to play it. And this was when I was like three or four. Oh, my gosh. I broke a string the first night. Uh-oh. And I didn't know to call my uncle, who's a musician, to have him change the string. So mm-hmm. I was just like, it's broken. It <laughs> just went away and didn't start actually playing guitar till I, for six more years. So I was like nine. Oh, my gosh. But I just left it. But, I mean, that get, the string's still broken, but it's hanging on a hook in my bedroom. So you still um, have it. We still have it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's like I didn't know to call him and be like, I broke a string. I was just like, oh, I broke it. It's oh, done. no. Oh, well. <laughs> Uh, another fun fact about you is actually something that is more of a warning to people to never try to mess with you <laughs> or also find themselves laying on their back. Tell the audience what I'm talking about. Yeah, so I am a black belt in Taekwondo. And that uh, used to be, it was so funny. I used to, when people are always like, tell us three things we don't know about you or something no one knows, that was always my answer. But now everyone on this planet knows I'm a black belt. I don't know how the word got around, I guess, through so many interviews. Uh, But, yeah, so I I grew up actually playing soccer was my first love before Mm -hmm. music. Um, And so I did soccer and taekwondo. Those were my things. Uh And then um, I fell in love with taekwondo mm. like uh, anytime there was a class i was there we were driving two hours to go to guest classes like we would drive every saturday morning i guess it was about an hour or so an hour each way we'd go to a different class just so i could sit in with another group and go to different instructors and things like that so i mean three to four times a week i was in some kind of taekwondo um class and i just fell in love with it and so i moved up the ranks really fast because i started when i was five I was going to say, um, there's there's a number of different colors that you have to go through, yeah, is there not? Yeah, so there is like, oh gosh, I think there was, we can name them, there was yellow, white, yellow, yellow, green, green, blue, but there's two blues, and there's four reds, and then black. Oh my gosh. Um, we didn't have orange and purple and stuff like karate does. Um, but you had to go through four different levels of red, and those were the longest ones um, before you got to black belt. And I was I was a red belt by the time I was seven. 
Um, so I, I just loved it. And I was wow. being growing up in soccer and growing up with my brother and all of his friends that were six to seven years older than me. I was always really, really tough. Um, <laughs> so I, I just loved, I loved Taekwondo and I got my black belt when I was eight and I was the youngest. What? I think I still am the youngest to have ever received my black belt in that organization. And it was so funny though, because when I are testing and like the final, like whatever, where they would give out black belts was in, um, Grand Rapids, Michigan. So we had to go all the way up there, which I'm from Kentucky. I don't know if I ever said that, but, um, we had to go all the way to Grand Rapids and I did my final testing and all that stuff to get my first degree black belt. And I was the only girl that Mm. was under the age of like 18 Mm. And I was the only one that was under the age of 12. <laughs> so for my final test, I had to do my form, and then I had to fight, I had to fight a bunch of 12-year-old boys. Wow. It was great. I don't wow. know if I beat them because they, were sca- like they didn't want to hurt me <laughs> or if I was tough. I don't know. We'll never know. I'm going to say it was because they, they were scared of me. Um, but so, so forgive my ignorance. Go easy on me if this is no, a ridiculous question. But so you became a black belt at the age of eight. eight. So now you're 21 years old. Are you still considered a black belt, or is it like something that you have to renew, like a, no, like a quote-unquote certification? I would go back as a black belt. Um, if I, so that was my my plan was because they were they were training me to go to the Olympics for oh, Taekwondo. Gosh. Like I was wow. full on, but. Wow. You, they would not let me test again to become a second degree black belt. You have to be twelve. It's in the rules. Okay. They would not let me test again until I was twelve, and mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not going to stand here for four years doing the same uh, thing every I week. See. And you also could not try out for the Olympics until you were twelve. I see. Okay. So I was like, okay, well, we'll come back. That was always my plan. And then I fell in love with soccer and was just oh, like. Oh, I thought you were going to say, yeah. and then this thing called music came yeah, along. Yeah, well, and then I fell in love with soccer. <laughs> and then I fell, um, I was doing music. Um, and that was, you know, crazy because I was doing both of them, music and soccer simultaneously. And we were driving like crazy. We would do soccer tournament. We'd play in Louisville, then I would drive to Nashville, play a show, and then drive back for my night game. That things reminds like that. me of, and you might know her, a girl that's here in Nashville named Alana McCready, who was on this show, and mm-hmm. she was talking about that she was a goalie on the women's hockey mm-hmm. team in college, oh, wow. and she would not only stand in the penalty box and sing the national anthem in her goaltender <laughs> gear, but there the game would finish, and she would change and say, I have to go off to a gig now. That's and amazing. So here you were doing the same thing so, except with soccer. Yeah, I was doing the same thing. But I was I was really young, um, playing competitive soccer. And when I was 13, I had a coach that told me it was time for me to decide which one I wanted to do. Uh. And I'm a very stubborn person. So when he <laughs> said that, I was like, you didn't just say that to me. And I quit on the spot and never oh. played soccer again. Wow. Oh, there you go. There's was, my decision. <laughs> you know, and so I grew up in a soccer family. My brother to this day plays soccer. He's, um, he's a semi-pro soccer player and he's still working um, to become a pro soccer player. And I I thought that was what I was going to be. And when he said that, I was, when that coach said that to me, I was like, you did not just tell me what I was doing. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I've been, I've been a lot of different things in my not that long of a life, but (laughs) music has been the biggest majority of it. And thank you for bringing us back around to music because the video for your newest single has only been out for two weeks and it already has more than 25,000 views on your official YouTube channel. A really cool video, too. I, I liked watching that. Thank In you. a minute, I'm going to have you talk about the song itself, but for now, just share with the audience all about the making of the video. And not to take my own horn, but it's nearly at 400,000 on Facebook. 
Whoa. So Whoa. <laughs> we've got a lot of views on that video in a couple weeks. We're wow. really excited about that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, now you can post them on everything, not just YouTube. Mm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so we're really excited. So the princess video was so much fun to make. I always, we've only been able to do a, a couple videos, but my thing is I always want my friends in it. Um, so, obviously, my band is in it, and those are the guys that I play with all the time and that was actually our first time being together since before the pandemic Ah. when we got to film that video and I was so thankful to actually just see them Um, we had practiced once for a gig that ended up getting cancelled so Mm. anyways back to the video so that's my band that I use um, and then with a uh, very special guest appearance by Miss Janae Flaner she's not with us all the time so Janae is our uh, she plays for Blake Shelton and wow. she is um, two-time CMA Musician of the Year. So she's insanely talented. And she was nice enough to come be in the video with us because she's a fiddle player on the track for the song as well. Um, anyway, so the video, it was one of the most effortless days of my life. It literally took one day to make. And he had mm. me the final master in hand within two weeks. Wow. Um, Ryan Nolan, who's an amazing produce- videographer and producer here in town, did the video, and he just went above and beyond what I thought he what I ever thought he would, could, could do in that short of a time. And he just made everything so easy. He had it all scheduled out. He had what everyone was doing. And he literally, he's like, I'm on thousands of shoots and i've never had anything go this smooth Mm. it was an amazing day um we shot it out at the hermit at the bel-air mansion out on lebanon road here in nashville um which is an old old like 1800s mansion um Mm. that's now an airbnb which is really cool so you can go stay there and (laughs) when you come to nashville but we had such a fun day and everyone that's out in the audience is one of my friends too no kidding. So we had the whole audience was full of friends. And then um, our main actress, Courtney Lee Pierce, she came in. And it's so funny because I've had several people say it. They're like, y'all look like y'all are actually friends. And like, well, we are actually friends. <laughs> and um, Courtney is, she's a singer-songwriter as well. And she's also an actress and an amazing actress at that. And literally one of the sweetest people I've ever met. And it was so funny when we were, y'all will have to go watch the video. When we were getting ready to do the video, I was like, well, this is Courtney's favorite song. She's always requesting this song. But I was like, she would just be the perfect actress for it. But we took her to dinner, and we sat her down, and we're like, we just want you to play this role because we love you. We don't think you're stuck up or anything like that. Because she's this, like, she's literally one of the hardest workers on the face of this planet. Um, And I just love her. She's one of my favorite people. So I'm very thankful she got to be in it. And she killed her, she killed her role at that. It was awesome. And so it was such a fun day. Um, I wish every day in the industry was that fun. So did you storyboard the video or? So we had... (laughs) My mom and I came up with a storyboard, and we sent it off to the videographer, and he goes, I just got to tell you one thing. You have major label budget if you want this video. Like, you're thinking (laughs) like a major label. The video that we had sent him that we wanted to do was going to be, like, to like ballpark a budget like 75 grand to do the video and oh he was like gosh. i don't think you want to do that and i'm like no we definitely oh don't gosh. so we scaled it back i'm not going to say what our budget was but we scaled it back quite a bit and um he came back he's like i'm going to take pieces of what y'all had okay and take you know because we had done it all like this was it and he was just like i just want to 
just going to scale it back a little bit. And it ended up better than it could have been um, the other way. I love the way we did it. And so he came back with the storyboard. We worked everything up. Um, we didn't. We did not have that intro scene in there to like the day before ah. because I can't even remember what it was we had. We had something different there, and we're getting a we little finally got, Yeah, we here. finally changed it. We were like, "Wait, no, we're going to do it a little different." And um, oh, she wasn't going to be in her bed, so she's sitting in her bedroom when it comes up, yeah. and she's painting her nails. We were not going to have that. We were going to have her just barely pass me and my band in the parking lot and just roll mm. her eyes at us or something like that and saying she was going to be at a party. Interesting. Um, but I was like, no, we need to be friends. Like, I know this girl. <laughs> and so we uh, we redid the intro scene like two days before, like the day before. And uh, we're really happy with how it came out and uh, very, cool. very proud of the video. Yeah, really, really good. Audience, please, if you haven't seen it, please go on the official YouTube channel for Dallas Remington and watch the video for this song. We're going to close today with that latest single from Dallas Remington, which you just heard her talking about the video for. It's a track called Princess. But Dallas, before I let you go and I play that song in its entirety, share with the audience what the song is all about, who you wrote it with, all that kind of stuff. Definitely. So I wrote Princess um, back in 2018 with Bridget Tatum and Nancy Deccan. Nancy's one of my best friends here in Nashville, and Bridget is one of the best songwriters that has come out of Nashville and forever um if you don't know who she is look her up she you'll know a bunch of the songs she's written she's just awesome and uh we were actually all getting together to write this song it was the day after the royal wedding back in 2018 and so i was i was a little nervous i'm like i'm writing with bridget tatum like what are we gonna do and so i started stalking her on instagram (laughs) and apparently her and her friends had all been together watching the royal wedding or somebody said something and i just saw where she commented back to somebody or posted it on her instagram or whatever it was but she literally just said you ain't a princess till you marry a prince and Mm. i was like oh there's a song there so i literally took it to her i was like not to be weird but i was stalking you on instagram and you said this and she was like i knew somebody was gonna make it a song we got to do it let's do it right now and it was one of those i call it a magical song because it it happened like an hour and a half Mm. You know, some songs take 10 years to write, some multiple sessions, some five hours. This one took an hour and a half. And um, it's just, it's a fun. Well, she had done half the work. She had that great hook. She had that hook, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, we're going to do something with that. And so um, she, uh, yeah, we just had an amazing experience, Nancy, Bridget, and I writing that song. And, you know, it's a very fun story. Um, and we have, we're sassy, and we call her a dirt road debutante. We do all this stuff. But I've been asked, you know, what we want people to take away from it and what we want people to take away from the song is yeah we had fun with it but and we we got really sassy and we called her some stuff but (laughs) just no matter where you come from and no matter who you are there's always going to be someone who loves you for you and embrace that you know because this song is about a girl who wanted to forget where she came from and who she was she was trying to climb the social ladder and that's all well and good but there was always someone there that loved her um so in this case in the song she's one of my friends and i was there with her when she was a redneck like me Mm -hmm. and she's trying to climb the social ladder but it's never forget those people who were there for you at the very beginning because those are the people who've loved you probably at your worst or at your best but they're always going to love you. So you just need to love you for you too. Very cool. Very cool. 
All good stuff. Dallas, thank you so much. Great having you on the well, show. I appreciate you making time to come over and talk to me today. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. All the best to you for 2021 and beyond. You're going to continue to do great things. I know it. Thank you. Thank you so much. You bet. You bet. Listeners, that will do it for another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist Dallas Remington. Do visit her official website at dallasremington.com. Again, I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Once you're there, be sure to look for all the icons so you can engage with Dallas on social media. I have already followed her on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and I'm sure she would appreciate you doing the same. You heard us talking about the video for her new song, so do be sure to go look for that on her official YouTube channel, and be sure to hit the subscribe button while you're there. Remember that Dallas is on TikTok as well, plus follow her on Spotify also. Most importantly is to support Dallas by purchasing downloads of her music from iTunes, and of course keep up with her online so you can see where and when you can go see her perform live. Do let Dallas know that you heard her and her music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Don't forget about the new website that I have just launched at interviewtipscourse.com. Get on there to start into learning how to not only find more interview opportunities, but more importantly, how to maximize those so that you get a better return on the time you invest getting booked for and then actually being a guest on radio, TV, podcast, and other interviews. There are close to 30 tips that I've presented in the course, along with corresponding documents you can download for handy reference plus the module with more than 15 different sources to get leads to potentially get more interviews. Again, that's interviewtipscourse.com. Get started now. That will do it for episode 392. Thanks ever so much for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from Dallas Remington. This is the one she just talked about called Princess. You don't think you gotta cook. You don't think you gotta clean. You want to paint your nails, sit around reading magazines, <laughs> a selfie machine, self-claimed royalty. Well, there's a difference between perception and reality. You ain't a Double wide trailer with some late utility bill.